Tiger Bomb Sports Audio Entertainment presents The Process. Hello, it's football time. Welcome back, everybody. Ralph Lark here at The Process. So happy you're joining me again. Really appreciate it. If you didn't have a chance to check it out, last week I put out a podcast starting us off um, in this second season of The Process. And in that first episode of season two, we went over not only what your round one draft strategy should look like, but we just did a little soft intro, if you will, for everybody who may be new and just some familiar stuff if you're used to the process. So that's what happened on the last episode. And if you've missed it, um, you can check it out a couple of different ways. You can go to our website, www.tigerbombsae.com. That's actually where you can see everything that is going on at Tiger Bomb Sports Audio Entertainment. There's the countout if you're into pro wrestling, like so many are nowadays. Um, there's also baseball, the heart of the order, and some other things coming soon too. So you can check it all out there, as well as check us out on an app that you're comfortable with for your podcast, Spotify, maybe iTunes, something, you know, um, Stitcher, we're everywhere. You can search by the company name, Tiger Bomb Sports Audio Entertainment, and you'll find it that way. But guys, you really should search by the whole name. Like, don't just put in Tiger Bomb. Some weird stuff's going to come up. And you're going to be like, what? what is this? I just want fantasy stats. So just do yourself a favor. Take the extra second, two seconds, go with the whole name, bro. Tiger Bomb, S-A-E, or Tiger Bomb Sports Audio Entertainment. The whole long way. Okay. That's how you find us in the apps. If, if Facebook is your thing, you can actually search our page, at The Process TBSAE. That's also the Twitter handle. So again, at The Process TBSAE. Two really great ways to connect with me and The Process here. Um, and really get your questions asked. If you're missing something from the podcast, I try to do a good job of covering everything, but if there's something you're missing, you can certainly tweet me, hit the Facebook page, and I you know, try to get a lot of information out quickly on the Facebook page, so quick updates, things like that, funny memes that are football-related, all that good stuff you'll want to visit there. And if you want to email in a question or you have an idea for maybe even a segment you may like to hear, that's all allowable here at Tiger Bomb Sports Audio Entertainment for you Tiger Bombers. Um, you can email me here at The Process at theprocess at tigerbombsae.com. So that's how you find us. Now today, in episode two, uh, we're here for the preseason. We're not really going to be covering so much of preseason games, and I'm just going to tell you guys why quickly, because there's only so much stock you can put in that, just like there's only so much stock you can put in when they tell you who's looking good in camp, right? Who scored on the first team defense, stuff like that. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. They're not finishing the plays out. They're not going 100%. Um, it's not getting called back by a referee. You know what I'm saying? Like, it doesn't matter. In the preseason game, the referee's not, you know, making pivotal decisions the way they would in a regular season game, certainly a playoff game. So, I don't put a lot of stock into it. They're going to try concepts, things like that. What we do understand is, um, you know, week one, first look. Let's see, let's see what it looks like. 
We want to make sure that there's a basic understanding of what we're trying to do, keep it bland. We too, where we are now. This is, you, you're trying to earn a job right here. You are trying to earn a job right here. Week two is when they're going to take a good long look at guys that they want to see in the game for a long time. Whether you are somebody who already is, for whatever reason, slotted into your position um, and, and they want to get you the repetition, that's one thing. Get you acclimated, especially if you're young and you're in that scenario. But the other thing is you may be getting a lot of work in week two if you're in a battle for a position or in a battle for a roster spot. So they need to see what they have. So those are the only things you can really take. We want to look at guys' technique. Don't worry so much about the scores and things like that. You're going to be tempted to care about completions, incompletions. None of it matters. The refs aren't doing their thing. The coaches aren't doing their thing. The players aren't doing their thing. Everybody's just trying to get some memory muscle going, okay? So this is why... We're not going to be spending time on that and talking about who did what or looked good. Now, what we are going to talk about today, some really useful information, like the five predominant offensive systems being used today in the NFL. This is really important information, and it's important for us because, as I said, I'm not trying to just feed you information. I want you to be able to know it yourself, be able to reproduce it yourself possibly not even need me one day because you're going to know what I'm thinking or, or how I derive that, right? So a part of that is knowing these offensive systems because, because everything is a system in the NFL, so they try to slot players into systems. We can recognize guys in good positions by understanding who's in what system, right? This comes into play in so many ways, right? Like um, in terms of when you're running a certain system, okay, well, what's the common way in the NFL to try to stop that system? Um, how well does this match up with this opponent this week? How well does their defense conform to the best way of stopping this type of offensive system? So if we know that information, we can better understand who is in line for a good week versus who may be not in line for such a good week or in line to have a down week this like it's not a magic trick people say you know especially with the daily sometimes with seasonal you know you got the guys that whip it and people don't understand by whip it I mean just always win dogging everybody else and the same thing in daily same people up there I'm trying to teach you guys a lot of concepts to whittle out people that you cannot use and to promote dudes in extra important situations because you're just playing the probability of the situations that's all we can do and I'm trying to put you in the best spot so that's why that's important we won't cover the defense this time but today we are going to cover the five offensive systems that are predominantly used um, in the NFL today now we'll also get into our team previews today as well so we're going to spend some time going over the AFC East guys this is really important when I'm going over these these team previews, you're going to have to bear with me if I you know, have a pause for a second here or there. I'm trying to comb through notes that I've been meticulously making for you all for so long. You have no idea. Going to and from work on my weekends, in my mornings, in my nights. I have you know, notebooks of information 
that I've been compiling and just oozing out on you guys at the right time. So I'm just saying, when we get into these previews for the AFC East and the rest of the divisions, there's a lot in there. It's all really important. It's not going to take all day, but I'm just saying, bear with me if I pause here and there. I don't want to mess anything up or forget anything. I want to tell you everything that's useful to you. And if you're a fan, then this is great. You're going to understand where your team is. I'm, it's going to be like talking to somebody in your town about your team. You're going to get something from my understanding of what's going on with all these ball clubs. And last thing we'll do today, guys, I know we got kind of a packed agenda here, but the last thing we'll do is just quickly, I'll go over the round two strategy because we covered round one last time. So today, um, and, and again, it's not like I don't save it till last because it's super complicated. It's like it's oversimplified. That's why I do that. The other stuff's more important. This is, you know, just stuff that you got to make one, two automatic for yourself. You know, it's not that hard. When we take a look at the names available, it'll start to make sense. So we'll quickly go over that at the end. And that's how we'll spend our time today. And what we're going to do is start off with our very first offensive system. And then we'll move into the previews from there. Okay, we're going to keep it moving to our offensive system, our first offensive system of today. If you listen to uh, the podcast in the uh, Anchor app, you got to listen to Alan Parsons' series right there. Um, Nice little track. That's the Chicago Bulls theme, if it sounded familiar. Um, used to always give me jacked as a kid for those playoff games about trying to get you guys jacked for some fantasy football. You feel me? Anyways, um, yeah. So if you've never listened to the uh, podcast this that way, you could. You could also see the breakdown in segments too, and just listen to what you want. So, um, system number one. This is the Earnhardt Perkins system. Okay, and. Um, We're going over this one first because this is um, something that the AFC East uses a lot because it was popularized by Belichick. It's popularized by the Patriots. This is the system that they run. Um, These two guys, Erhard Perkins, they came up with this system, you know, together with the collective, you know, room of coaches to kind of simplify the playbook for the players so they can understand the concepts and not spend so much time getting bogged down in the language. Once you start including different receivers and stuff like that, NFL play can get really, really long. So um, these two guys, Earnhardt and Perkins, got together and did something about it, created a, a, a language, if you will, a system, right? That's where this whole idea of systems come together. But they created this system. And really the way that we're going to be talking about it is the way that our first team, the Buffalo Bills, so kind of the same way, and we'll talk about that why, but the same way New England uses it. And it's a run-first system. So do you guys remember all the running New England did last year? Remember all that? Right, because this is what they run, a run-first system that utilizes play action to create big plays down the field. Now... It's the perfect system for them. Um, And the way that they take advantage of other teams is for the players, it's really simple. They get their directions and it's it's they know what they're doing. The only thing that really changes is the formation. But they understand what their role is, regardless of where the format of how the formation moves. 
So for the defense, what happens is you're trying to adjust. You're trying to make sure that you got the right matchups. You're trying to make sure that your zone is covering what it needs to, all this stuff. And for them, they're not spending a lot of time, a lot of memorization on um, where to go, what to be. It's really simplified. They have like the same concepts and they're simple concepts that they run. All New England does is really change where everybody lines up, which really changes the scope of um, what you can do, especially when you have Tom Brady throwing it and Belichick on the other side calling plays defensively. So... The Earnhardt Perkins system, um, they utilize that play action to create big plays down the field. And obviously, you know, that, that maybe it makes sense to you why Gronk was so important and the Titan is so important in that system every year. So that's our first system. And now you know a little bit about the what I feel the most dominant system is because of their dominance. It's the one that there's a lot of, um, we're going to talk about the copycatness going on with it. And we're going to talk about... Um, you know, some of the things when we get into defenses that teams are just trying to do to slow this thing down. But it's really the, you know, top of the heap, if you will, right now. So our first team is the Buffalo Bills. And the Bills... Again, my biggest thing when I think about the AFC East and what's going on here is the copycatness. All these teams running the same offensive system, the the Erhard Perkins system that you just heard about, um, trying to get over the hill with New England because they really have tried everything else. It's a little pathetic if you ask me, but what the hell? Nothing else has worked, I guess, but... Anyways, um, there and it's and you got to understand there's a lot of it's not just copycat um, because the rest of the league and the AFC East it is the rest of the league it's his coordinators and assistants that have spread out his tentacles have spread out when they talk about a coaching tree the the coaching branches you know this is what they're talking about so there's just a lot of different um, you know it's a copycat league so other people are gonna try what's working right. But anyways, the Buffalo Bills run that. Um, they, you know what? A couple seasons ago, they got their first playoff appearance since 1999. That was Sean McDermott's um, first year with them, I believe. And he's looking to improve. They want to take a step forward. Um, they brought in Brian Dabble to run the offense. He's going to be the offensive coordinator. Um, so that's good for them. But it's new. It's new for everybody. And the funny thing about it is the, the, the system and the new OC, LaShawn McCoy is not a great fit, and they do kind of have a crowded backfield. So we'll see if he doesn't get, like, you know, dealt or anything like that. But this is a run-first team. We know the Earhart Perkins system requires a run-first offense, right? Um, now, they're, they last year they were, um, you know, first in, in rushing. Uh, oh, I'm sorry, ninth, ninth in rushing last year. So we know that that's a run-first offense. Um, that's perfect for the system that they run, and they've made some steps to improve that. As far as the backup goes, you got Frank Gore, TJ Yeldon, and you guys really need to look out for Devin Singletary. That's the new handcuff. That guy's got explosive stuff. If you haven't seen him, check out some Devin Singletary tape. 
Um, rookie coming out, looking to make an impact. I believe he will be able to. He's got some miss me type stuff. Um, but either way, I think they'll be poised to um, take a step forward in the run game again. Um, here's the other thing. They have four new offensive linemen um, starting. Deion Dawkins is the only returning starter. Um, they are deep on the line. They have a ton of depth. They have 10 to 11 solid guys. Although Mitch Moore has a concussion right now, we'll have to see when he's ready. But for the offense they run, they they look good and they put Josh Allen in a good situation from the rushing game standpoint so that the play action can be potent. In terms of receivers, they've got some interesting guys John Brown's coming over. They really haven't had a weapon like him recently. Zay Jones, they still have. He's the only dude worth anything in their receiving core last year. Cole Beasley is coming to run out of the slot. If you know how New England uses the slot, then you understand that Cole Beasley as a natural slot receiver is a perfect fit for that system. They have Andre Roberts as well, so... I think this is going to be a decent offense that could take a step forward. Um, it's going to be a tough division because although, no, I don't think anybody's, you know, kind of really ready to knock New England off. Um, there's a lot of steps being made. There's a, there, there's a lot of steps being made. This is a strong, stronger offense than they've had in a long time. Um, I think Josh Allen, yes, last year set franchise records. For QB rushing yards, 631, and QB touchdowns, 8. This dude can move with his legs. So perfect, again, when you look at and consider the play action that they want to create, the system that they're they're running in. It just just all seems to be coalescing and coming together. This is why we talk about so much concept stuff, so you can recognize who's in a good spot, who's not in a good spot. Um, Now, in terms of this line, Outside of Dawkins, they're going to have um, EJ Gaines, who's come back. He was away with the Browns for one year. He's coming back. Um, now, they have, this is, and I'm sorry, this is the defensive line that we're talking about now. I want to switch over to defense. They, they have rookie Ed Oliver, who's going to replace Kyle Williams, who retired. Okay? Kyle Williams, if you don't know, he's been a you know, like a career Buffalo Bill off the edge rusher for them, giving them what they need year in and year out, Mr. Steady Eddie for them, and he recently retired. So this guy's show back up in camp. He's really, you know, spending some time with Ed Oliver, who's soaking it up, obviously, like a smart person would, and just trying to learn everything he can. Um, talked about EJ Gaines already. This is what I mean when I say bear with me, guys. I want to get everything right. Um, But Ed Oliver should have some versatility to this defense. Um, They basically, I think, can deploy the power blocking scheme in an effective scenario. But again, their schedule is tough. The league is tough. I think this 4-3 defense is going to be underrated. They got decent corner play, I see. Um, They're going to run the cover, too. I mean, this is why Brady torches them when he needs to. But for the most part, 
And they're running that cover too because they got Leslie Frazier. That's a step forward for them. He's going to come in and run the defense now, which is great. Buffalo looks like they have a ball club. Um, But again, the record, the division, I still think that's two losses to New England, which is tough because if they don't have those two losses, I could say they're nine and seven. And maybe you surprise me, you go 10 and six. But with those two losses, you must get demoted to seven and nine. And that's the Buffalo Bills. All right, let's move into our next offensive system, which is the um, Air Coriel system, okay? Um, Also known as, you know, a vertical offense, um, sometimes referred to as a timing offense. Those are all, you know, it's all Air Coriel. Um, They, like, who runs Air Coriel? Like, like... The Cowboys, they run Air Correa. There you go. But anyways, um, so with this offensive system, you want to stretch the field for the power running game, right? You want to utilize motion to read the defense and timing patterns in the passing game so that you can uh, maximize the run after the catch. So those are the main objectives of that type of offensive system. So again, you know, when you can understand which teams are running which systems, and you will as I go over them in the team previews, you can understand if somebody is in a good position, if they're not in a good position. Um, we're really bringing a lot of analysis for that point. So, you know, when you really think about the success that Zeke has and stuff like that, this is what we talk about, fitting the system, right? So that's the Air Corio. Uh, offensive system. Next up, we have the Miami Dolphins. Um, and you guys know, know already, I'm a Miami Dolphins slash Chicago Bears fan. There's not a lot of uh, happiness for my Dolphins side these days. But I've been there with the Bears, too. I remember growing up when, you know, Jay Feeler of all people, good Lord, trying to do his best, I'll replace Marino job. And the Bears are stinking, you know, stuff like that. So it's been a back and forth type of relationship. But right now, the Bears are my up team and the Dolphins are the down team. But anyways, I do pride myself on doing something that I don't think you find a lot in some of the non-nationalized um, uh, coverage uh, people that you see out here. So guys you find on YouTube and stuff like that, I think I do something that they don't do, which is I've seen some of these because I'm very curious as to what is being put out there. Um, usually I'll do my analysis and then afterward, um, I want to go kind of see what else is out there as a point of comparison, not as a point of theft, right? But I'm noticing that people have a hometown bias that is crazy. That is so crazy. You cannot be, um, I guess, objective in your analytics and your research, if you tell me at the end of all of it that the team where, by the way, oh yeah, you're from, this is their year, it's like, I don't wanna hear that noise. That means you're blinded by the light, um, just like a great song, and you probably shouldn't be doing this because you're more fan than anything else. Um, But what I have is a serious analysis on this team, and it is not looking good for them, and I'm gonna tell you guys exactly why 
because I'm a fan. Hashtag tank for Tua. This is what's going on. So Miami brings in Josh Rosen, who's got this reputation. Okay, if you don't know the reputation on Josh Rosen, because he's he's been out in Arizona. That's where Scottsdale is, all this and that. He's quote unquote not a football guy. He quote unquote loves to party. You know what I'm saying? This is that guy, is what everybody's saying. But okay, they bring him in and Ross brings in, when I say Ross, I mean the owner. Ross brings in um, Stephen Ross, the owner Stephen Ross. We'll get into him. Don't get me started. Um, he brings in Brian Flores, Patriots defensive coordinator. I don't think it's the best. Again, it's a copycat thing. Let's go get their guy, right? This is how we're going to beat him. So they bring him in. Now they have this Patriots-style defense, but here's the thing. The personnel that Flores is dealing with now is still a zone-based personnel. It's a holdover from Gaze's defense. So we got a lot of guys that are not useful, specifically in the linebacking core. These dudes are like dead weight because they're chasing run guys as opposed to guys that can cover in the scheme. Um they need guys that can, you know, you know, do it all. They need maulers, right? Um, and I don't know that they have that. They have these chase and run little guys. And people like Kiko Alonzo, who's very unskilled. Um, now, for now, what I think is going to happen is Brian Flores is probably going to meet him in the middle and not go all the way to the defense that he wants. Um And what he's going to probably do is just, I think, settle on a cover three scheme to massage the issue as they start to turn over the defense with the unit that better fits the scheme. Um, But yeah, people like Kiko Alonso are going to kill him this year. Um, Now, as far as um, other notable things for them, it's like a resetting. So they're really starting from nothing, right? And they traded Robert Quinn. Now, they also signed Ryan Fitzpatrick. This is the type of stuff that we're talking about right here. Like, you guys, like, they can't even lose correctly because you're supposed to just roll with Fitzpatrick, um, who we know what he is. After a while, the brakes are going to fall off that bus because the idea, and you could ask Adam Gaze, there's stories about him saying that um, this is what he, this is what, you know, he knows the strategy was there, which is they're tanking for Tua. So I think Fitzgerald gives you a better chance to do that because Fitz Magic will sizzle out than does Josh Rosen, okay? But either way, Rosen is a lame duck on arrival. This situation is no better for him than his situation was in Arizona. They're putting him right back to where he was again. But he does have an opportunity, so he's got to try to take advantage of it. Um, now, they have um, O'Shea, who's going to come in and be the offensive coordinator, New OC, but they're bringing in Jim Caldwell too. He gets a lot of hate, but I actually um, like what he'll bring and what he'll be able to do in terms of working with the quarterback um, and trying to get him ready for game day. They need to try to invest something in Rosen. I I think it's smart to try to see if there's something there, you know, um, and if there's not, obviously move on. Now, they did sign Robert Kimdichi, who was let go by Arizona. Young man has had some, you know, person, you know, he's had some personal issues, some off the field issues. 
This is probably, we're hoping that this is gonna be the thing that turns him around. There's gonna be people that say once trouble, always trouble. This is Robert's chance to prove those people wrong. Only he knows what Robert will do. So we'll leave that to him. Um, but this team, you know, Ross is a big part of the problem. He does stupid crap like, you know, instead of trying to bring in valuable players or build a good defense, a couple years ago, his big idea was, I'll just have all these, you know, minority owners like, you know, Will Smith and Betty Ross and, you know, have them come to the game and that'll attract people. You know, he's a New York businessman. And that's why this team sucks, to be quite frank, um, because there's not a, you know, there's no football passion behind it. He's also dealing with the fallout of this Kenny Stills issue. Um, he called him out in an interview over um, doing like a hosting a, a, a dinner or fundraiser for Trump uh, when he also has this like, you know, fund or he has this like, you know, they're building or like they have this like um, not for profit that's supposed to be helping like, you know, um, I guess like under like, you know, under or disadvantaged you know, not privileged kids in the inner city, minority kids. So Stills basically called them out for being a hypocrite. Um, so there's some friction there. And, you know, Flores is trying to settle the flames, but the damage is done. You know, just a, a dumb team making dumb moves. $13 million is the cap hit they're getting for Sue this year. They're still paying for Indomitian Sue. This will be two years now. He's two, t- or I'm sorry, this will be... Um, He's two teams removed now. That's what I mean to say. Two years, two teams removed now. And they're still paying for this cat. So, you know, $13 million on the cap this year for him. They got $18 million on the cap for Tannehill this year. This, that, think about all the money I just said for dudes that no longer, just to get them out of town. So this has been a team making some dumbass moves, excuse my language, for the very longest time now. Um, the stadium looks like a... A tent prison, if you ask me. Um, and they got one road coming in and off of the, the highway for it. So apparently it's just like, you know, murder getting in and out of there. You take so long. It's like a half, a half a game sitting in traffic. It's not attractive and it's not a pleasant experience, especially when your team is losing. Cam Wake is gone. You know, like we mentioned with Robert Quinn and William Haynes. So they have no pass rush besides first-round pick Christian Wilkins from Clinton. So there's a lot of pressure on him to come in and like somehow be productive right away. And at that position, that's usually one thing that doesn't happen. Now, as far as the offense goes for the running game, and they want to kind of have like a zone blocking scheme is what they command uh, from this Earnhardt Perkins system. But they're going to run with Kenyon Drake and Kalen Balazs. You know, Drake is... You know, I'm so iffy about him. And it says to me, because Kalen Balazs is not anything special. It says something to me that he's getting so much run. You know, that means that King and Drake is just not the dude in the way that so many people think he is, in my opinion. Like, I think he's going to get you 13 points a game or something like that. But we really need so much more upside than that. And I just don't see a lot from him. This is a work in progress, y'all. The offensive line, the only thing they really got going is Laramie Tunzel, who's great. Um, the rest of this is, you know, DOA. The, this, this line is not looking good. Um, they're asking Daniel Kilgore and Jesse Davis to, to, to start, and those are two really bad dudes. So, I mean, this could not work out for them, and there could be a lot of pressure up front. This is also a reason I don't like Drake. 
Um, Bobby McCain is not the answer at the second cornerback position. He, they got hoes there, and they're paying him like he's good, um, but he ain't been good. Xavier Howard, um, he's good. Minka Fitzpatrick has been good in the um, slot position, safety position. Safety, they're fine. Rashad Jones and TJ McDonald's are okay. But really, Bobby McCain is a liability. So again, when we have teams specifically facing them, we want to look for that second receiver. Um, Jerome Baker will be like the best linebacker that they have. The rest of the group pretty much has some issues. And I really think this team is a 5-11 football team, possibly 4-12. I don't know how they won seven games last year, but if they do something like that, 2020 is going to stink as well. Okay, shuffling right along, we're going to get into our next offensive system, which is the West Coast Offense. We all know the West Coast is the best coast, but West Coast Offense popularized by uh, Walsh, Bill Walsh, um, out in San Francisco. They ran this to perfection, Um, and really what this is, is um, short, high-percentage pass plays instead of a power rush game. So you know how you want to matriculate the football two yards, three yards, you know, here and there to kind of get yourself in position. No, this offense does it with the pass. So short passes, um, a high percentage of short pass plays um, instead of that power running game. The short passes then set up outside runs and deep passes in the hopes of surprising the defense. Um, and there's a high volume of plays because you kind of like inch your way. So this is a ball control offense. You can move the football steadily. You take advantage of the mismatches that are created from, um, you know, players vacating the areas uh, where blitzes have come from, stuff like that. But West Coast offense, um, that is our third offense. Next up, we have the New England Patriots. I think we all know who these guys are. Won the big, won the big shebang last year, Super Bowl champion. So let's get into it. Gronk is retired, so we're moving on. And right now, they got Ben Watson, who's going to be uh, at the tight end position, and he's going to be serving a four-game suspension to start the year off. So it's really desolate. Um, the guy that they drafted that was behind him, I can't think of his name right now, but I know that he is now injured as well. So we'll see what they end up doing at the tight end position to cover all of this. But Bill Belichick this year, as I mentioned earlier, is going to be serving as the defensive coordinator as Greg Schiano weirdly quit after just a few days of having the job. Um, Trey Flowers and Trent Brown are both gone. They're no longer there. But you know what? To, for Trey Flowers leaving, they make up for Belichick goes out and signs pro bowler Michael Bennett. So they bring him in. Now, the Patriots have also added Demarius Thomas, Austin Safari, and Jenkins, and Bruce Ellington. Um, so a couple things to be excited about. I have mentioned to you guys a few times that they run the Earhart Perkins system. So I'll just say once again, um, and, I've, and what they want to do, obviously, is 
as far as the the blocking goes, they have one of the best offensive blocking, you know, kind of games out there. They have one of the best offensive line coaches out there. Um, and they really do like a zone power hybrid blocking scheme. So they they kind of deploy um, that hybrid aspect, if you will. And on, on defense too, Belichick, he has the 4-3 hybrid multi-front defense. Um, and as far as coverage goes, they mix in man and zone. He doesn't want you to know what he's doing. We saw it, and I talked about it extensively in the Super Bowl recap, how he uh, was able to utilize guys like Van Oy, right? Um, having him, you know, line up on the line or drop back into coverage, you know, having versatile guys that can truly be effective, not just kind of do the other thing, but truly be effective at whichever of those you're trying to do. That's so valuable, and they have that. So that's that's a little bit of what they try to do. They also drafted Nikhil Harry, who looks like he's going to be um, something in a lot of people's eyes. I mean, he's flashed. I'm not going to lie, but again, it's early. It's preseason. We don't want to read too much into it, but Tom Brady with a new toy is always fun. We can obviously see him taking off with terrific time. Sorry, Tom Seaver. And as far as the rest of the receivers go, it's in the preseason, if we want to look at anything, again, they just look lethargic. They look big and slow. That's what we can take. Latest news today, just found out. Josh Gordon coming in. Um, he's been cleared. He's coming back. And I know guys give him a hard time. There's a lot of analysts that love to dog him at this point, say that um, we should give up on him. So here's my thing about that. Um, He's not, he isn't hitting women, and we let these guys in each and every time, all right? I usually don't want to get involved in the social aspect of this, but yeah, he's messed up a bit, and yes, he's made some immature situations, but nobody's perfect, and if they're willing to give him a second chance, then we ought to as well. Um, I mean, I'm not like pumping up his fantasy value or anything. I'm just saying, let the man try to get his life together, and if he struggles, so what? What's to take out of your paycheck? So... But anyways, that's going to be some help to this receiving core. Um, And it does make them look a little bit more versatile now that you add him in. So the Patriots look like the Patriots. Um, You know, just a few weeks ago, people were saying, oh, they don't look great on paper. But just like always, we know they're going to find a way to be there when the playoffs come. The AFC East is still theirs for the taking each and every year. Um, We can't peg them for sure. But as usual... If Tom Brady's healthy, they are still the team to beat. Next up, air raid offense. This is why you hire, like, you know, you have like Cliff Kingsbury out of Arizona. They bring this college style offense. So, This is the air raid offense we're talking about. It's an up-tempo offense in which the QB will regularly call the plays depending upon the defensive setup. So basically, the system is incredibly pass-heavy and will utilize the 10-personnel setup quite often. And so that's that's some aspects of it. Um, So you need a field general to kind of uh, do that thing, if you will. And like I said, you're going to see the Cardinals run it. And that's a bit about the air raid offense. The 
before we finish up with the Jets, let me say I had New England at 11 and 5, possibly 12 and 4, taking the division again, making a serious run. All righty. So new so the Jets obviously don't have them winning the division, but they are the final team that I want to discuss in the AFC East today. And um enter Adam Gaze. So again, they want him because he's had some success at least splitting with New England. Um, down there with Miami and not some, some not great teams. They have Greg Williams as a defensive coordinator, so good hire there. Gase is just polarizing, freezing out his players and coaches. I mean, he's he's you know it's like you know there's something going on with him always. So I don't know how that's gonna roll in New York. Already kind of out the bag that he didn't want Le'Veon, doesn't want Le'Veon. So I mean, I don't think Le'Veon's like the perfect kind of back for their system. But that's where we are with it. Now, they have a new GM as well, Joe Douglas. So all these guys are going to be trying to put this thing together um, in a way that, that they all come out smelling like roses. Sam Darnold, this is his second year. Can he take another step forward? And they've tried to surround him at this point with a lot of help. Now... Gaze is going to run this West Coast offense. We just talked about a West Coast offense, so that's perfect timing. And they're going to utilize zone blocking up front. Now, for the Jets part, they spent some money, and they've overspent um, on a couple of guys. But they wanted to be sure that they had dudes um, just to get some talent in there that was excited to be there. So they bring in Le'Veon Bell. Um, on the defensive side, they bring in C.J. Mosley. That is a huge get. They bring in... Um, Avery Williamson, also a linebacker. They bring in Jamison Crowder, who's going to be a slot receiver for them. They bring in Steve McClendon, a nose tackle. Henry Anderson, another D lineman. Josh Bellamy, Lord Ironhands himself, a wide receiver who's going to come and try to add some depth there. They lose Buster Screen in the secondary, and they pick up Brian Poole to replace him. Um... Now, this team's going to be learning a new system. Not all the players are a great fit. Like I said, Chris Herndon, Le'Veon Bell, these guys aren't great fits, right? Gase doesn't utilize tight ends much. So Herndon, I don't care what people say. He is good, but that's just not the way the Gase has rolled ever. So there's some friction there, I think. Um, but they've also added Chandler Catanzaro uh, as well, inside linebacker. And biggest get of all was in the draft. They got Quinnen Williams, the D-tackle from Alabama. This dude is the highest-graded college interior lineman ever by Pro Fantasy Football um, with a 96 overall. So, incredible. Now, can they take a step forward? But it's not guaranteed. Um, They are better. I mean, like, they can... But here's the thing. They may not even be better than Buffalo. We just have to see. Okay. Now, they add Ryan Khalil on the O-line, unretires. They got Frank Pollock, new O-line coach. Um, they've traded for Kalichi Osamili, probably butchered that left guard, who's also good. So, I mean, they want to see if they can get some consistent play at the tackles. And if they can do that with everything else that they've added to this, this could be a consistent O-line. As far as the defense goes, they're going to run that 4-3 defense. It's cover-two coverage, and um, 
they also added Ja'Kai Polite from Florida in the draft. Um, that dude is going to be a beast, it looks like. C.J. Mosley is going to anchor the group. Um, they have to find a way to use Darren Lee. He's not a great fit as well right now, but they need to find a way to use Darren Lee. Um, at cornerback, Tremaine Johnson has been like a letdown, but they paid him like he was a shutdown corner. He has not played that way, um, but he still played better last year than the year before with the Chargers, and they were still not high on it. You know what I mean? Like He's just not the guy who they thought he was. Um, Morris Claiborne is still a free agent, so maybe if need be, he comes back and helps um, fill out this team if they don't sign him. Um, but they're set at safety, though. That's one thing we do know about them. So as far as the Jets go, um, I, it, the schedule is going to be brutal. Again, I don't think they're going to find a way to beat New England. So here, I have this team at 8-8 eight and eight because if you beat New England, you know, instead of losing two games to them, if you could beat them twice, that's 10-6. and six. Um, Or maybe if you beat them once and have just one other thing luckily go your way, that's 10-6. and six. But we know 9-7 and seven can be playoff territory. So too tough a road for them. But here's the thing. They, to have a shot at doing anything, there's a part of their season where they can just wreck house and they got to do it. And we're going to want to pay attention to this team for DFS purposes um, during weeks 9 through 14. So they go at Miami versus the Giants, at the Redskins versus the Raiders, at the Bengals versus Miami. That's a nice stretch right there. That's called a get, get fat stretch right there. So... We want to be paying attention to that team as they go through that stretch, but largely just going to be fantasy relevant, as I just mentioned at the top of this segment for the Jets. I do think that New England at 11-5, possibly 12-4, takes this division again. Until somebody proves they're the bigger bully in the yard, it's still, it, it will remain New England's show. final offensive system for this episode is going to be the offensive spread offensive system spread um, so spread offense is just one that utilizes three or more receivers all running and by the way like the Texans are an example of um, this type of offense but a spread offense is just one that uses like three or more receivers all running different routes to separate areas of the field in order to stretch out the defense everything is predicated off of that right there so the spread offense is um, why you see like less of a running game emphasis on some of those teams. Um, and you really do need three very good receivers to run that, but that's the spread. Okay, so finally, as promised, we're going to talk about uh, round two draft strategy. Review the last podcast if you missed what to do in round one. But I'm thinking for round two, um, we talked about the receivers, that they would be more valuable at the end of that round because we talked about those top four guys being those running backs. Um, We talked about a few guys you could probably get at the end of the round one. But um, I think the end of round one is mostly for the receivers. So you can come back with those two guys that maybe you couldn't get them in round one, like I said. And those two guys, again, are Chubb. And Connor, I mentioned them in the last podcast, but if they, if you didn't get them at the end of round one, um, perhaps you can get them at the start of round two. I think they'll still be there, but I don't mind taking them uh, earlier as well. 
Um, Dalvin Cook is going to be available. But again, I'm really only taking those two guys if I'm at the top of round two. Um, anywhere else, I'm probably tempted in round two to go to a wide receiver. Like if I'm not picking from the top three slots in round two, I'm probably just going with wide receiver. Um, unless I had a wide receiver in round one. If I had a wide receiver in round one, now I want to try to get Dalvin Cook, right? Um, that makes sense to me. So uh, hopefully that makes sense to you guys. I'm like, that's, I, I would like to say Melvin Gordon right there too, but he's obviously having issues. So I don't think that's going to happen. Um, and it's just going to be Austin Eckler, who I had to put down just a little bit. I don't know if I want him there, but like Devonta Freeman, yeah, for sure. Um, so that's a little bit of what I would do, you know, if I'm on the top end of round one or if I'm on the bottom or the middle end, I'm sorry, top end of round two or on the bottom or middle end of round two. So we've gone over round one and round two. So based on how you draft, you kind of know what my thought is about what you should do, what's worked for me. Um, Really appreciate you guys joining me for this podcast. Hopefully it was a good one for you. We packed a lot in there. We went over the AFC East. We're going to pipe them out. I'm going to pipe them out. I'm going to have another podcast for you guys really soon. We're just going to keep on moving along to our next division that we're going to cover. So you guys are covered by the time your drafts are here. Um, But again, you know where to find me, TigerBombSAE.com. Uh, If you're on the app searching for it, hit like, hit subscribe, and you can search for us by Tiger Bomb Sports Audio Entertainment. And if you're on Facebook or Twitter, it's at the process, T-B-S-A-E. And of course, if you need to email me, it's the process at TigerBombSAE.com. Thanks so much for joining me, guys. I'm Ralph. I'll catch you next time. The process is brought to you by Tiger Bomb Sports Audio Entertainment, LLC.